All right, so that was, that was basically your intro because when Joe preaches under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, stuff happens. So would you please honor and welcome and, uh, Joe Moody. Amen. Oh, sit down, you guys. It's so fun to be here. Can I, can I use that? Thanks, sweetie. Thank you. Well, wasn't that a fun start? Oh, man. Yikes. Thank you, God. <laughs> Woo! Uh, no, it's, it's, it'll, it'll work great. Yeah, it's good. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. How fun to be here. <laughs> Let me get organized here with myself. I just flew in. Uh, if you were in the in the East Bay Healing, how many were in the sessions this afternoon? Yeah, good many of you. Wow, good. Um, yeah, I just came in from uh, Hungary, the nation of Hungary. And uh, oh, are you trading for me? Wow, look at that. Yeah, Brent said he was going to. He tried. I'm trading my music stand. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Great. Um, yeah, I just flew in from Hungary last night, and uh, I think I'm on this time zone. You don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll find out, won't we? Uh, <laughs> I have a little word for the church, so i got to do that first, I think. Thank you, God. Let me pray for you first. Lord, I just want to thank you for what you're already doing in here. And uh, wow, are you great. Yeah. <laughs> you are so great, God. Uh, Lord, there is uh, nothing we can do without you. you know, I don't even want to get out of bed without you. So Lord, I thank you for the privilege of coming to this house. This is your house. Uh, so Holy Spirit, you come have your way. You come do what you want to do. And if you want us to lay on the floor and laugh, that's what we'll do. <laughs> Lord, I know your, your word is precious, it's priceless, and it brings life. And so I just pray for your word to be released in this house and for the full manifestation of your presence to come and transform our hearts, God. Yeah. Yeah, renew a right spirit within us tonight, God. <laughs> and help us to know just how much you love us, God, in every way that we are redeemed and we are free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So uh, I woke up this morning. I'm like, I'm sleeping until 8 o'clock. 4.30. Ring. Dang, what time zone is this? I don't even look anymore. I just, because just before I was in Hungary, I was in uh, England. And then five days before that, I was in Cambodia, and just before Cambodia, I was in Poland, same trip. And five days before that, I was in New Zealand. So honestly, I really don't know where I am, but I think this is a good place because I've been here before. Uh, I, I love your pastors. Uh, they're incredible. And I'm loving getting to be friends with them. Yeah, they're incredible. It's been just great. I'm, I feel at home here. Uh, so if I'm weird, sorry, that's what family, <laughs> that's what family gets. Anyway, um, I, I have the privilege of running around the world with our Agape Freedom Fighters team. So we guys stand up there. They always come along. They're, they're amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, amen. You guys rock. Rock. So God's all about a family on a mission. Amen. So that's why we run around the world and, uh, and we have a great time. We laugh ourselves to death and, <laughs> and, uh, God just does stuff through us. And, and, uh, you know, we're all in a journey. We're all in the sanctification process. Sometimes we're the ones that need deliverance. And sometimes we're the ones that lay on the floor the whole time and don't ever get up. And we're supposed to be the ministry team. And oh, well, that's what happens. Oh, there's a lot of freedom on our team to just be yourself. And they, they come to the trips they feel called to. And sometimes we have 30 on a team. Sometimes we have two. And just, it is what it is. We have so much fun with God. But I love it because God is raising up the next generation. And, and truly, uh, the harvest is ripe all over the world, I can tell you. I'll tell you some stories later. But I'm grateful with all my heart for these guys and uh, what they pour out. And believe me, you want them to pray for you. So it's not about what I do. It's about what we do corporately. Everybody has a remarkable bunch of gifts from the Lord. And so I just came here tonight just to fire up those gifts in you. We're going to have a good time. Okay. So my word this morning when I woke up every day that I wake up, uh, I would say 98% of the time I remember. Sometimes I'm in a time zone and I have no idea where I am and I can't remember anything when I wake up. But most days I say, God, what's my word of the day when I wake up? And he tells me. And uh, it helps me to stay focused with all the stuff I got going on. And so I actually asked him what the word of the day was for you. And he said the word of the day was renewal, which was cool. Um, But it was renewal for personal transformation. So just so I can get the gist of this, he always makes me look things up because it helps me. And these were the words that I read about renewal, uh, reestablishment, resumption, uh, recommencement, renovation, restoration, reconstruction. I loved all those R words. I wanted to do a T-shirt with a bunch of R words all the way down. But he said, said, and, and then he led me to this, where he said he's resuming an activity or a state of being after an interruption. How many of you... Have all these, I'm just saying, hey, how many of you have promises on your life from God prophetically and what you just know to be true about your life and they're not here yet? Yeah. Welcome to the holy interruption. Sometimes it's an unholy interruption, but it's an interruption just the same. So I felt like he wanted to focus tonight on, on individual personal transformation, like reawaken what was already promised. Um, something that is also in a state of renewal, something that's worn out. Something that's run down. Anybody? Yeah. The rest of you are not telling the truth. There are only five of you in here who are run down. The rest of you are like, I'm not raising my hand. I'm not going to own that. Um, It's interesting because it's the quality or state of being he's talking about. And then there's the rebuilding of a large area. I'll take that. I want the rebuilding of a large area. And, and then he, he took me to, this is interesting, he took me to Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm actually going to read this to you in the, uh, what, what version did I bring? Look at, watch, I'm having a, a moment where I'm not quite here, I'm still in Budapest. Okay. Yeah, the Passion Translation. All right, so let me just read this to you, because this is in, in personal transformation, Uh, This is what he gave me. So 
Our reconciling peace, I'm starting with 14. This is, this is under the section of Ephesians 3, in it, or excuse me, Ephesians 2 in a new humanity. So our reconciling peace is Jesus. He's made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he's broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. Hallelujah! The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together. Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. Can I say self-hatred also died? For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who are distant and to those who are near. And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you're not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. Come on, man. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you're connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. Amen? This entire building is under construction, under renewal, reconstruction, and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you, each one of us, into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. It's renewal time, reminder time. And then he gave me this great picture of hot air balloons. I love how the Lord works. And he said, do you know how hot air balloons move? I go, yeah, with the wind. Duh. I've never been in one. He goes, no, they move with fire. I go, oh. Now I'm so intrigued, really. So then I have to go research that, of course. And really, if you don't have fire... You don't have anything with a hot air balloon because the wind will just blow it around on the ground. To rise, it has to have fire. And, and I want to tell you, yeah, we're, we're, in, we're in dwelt with the Holy Spirit. But without the stirring up of the fire of the Holy Spirit, I'll just submit to you that the wind just blows you along the ground. Scrape your knees, scrape your back. That's not really any fun. I would rather go to the highest heights with God, with his fire, and then the wind can carry you along. Amen? So I felt like that was part of everything that he had tonight and uh, wanted to release tonight. So um, I think I have some words for people uh, a little bit later. Yeah, probably. And so I'll just do those a little bit later. I, I felt like I, I really want to get into this. He, he asked me to talk to you tonight about the intrinsic value of the children of God. 
really the subheading of a message like this is unity from the perspective of worth. So here we go. So the word of God tells us that the only value we're to be focused on is the one given to us as believers in Christ. Is that true? Amen. Right. And yet that's daunting, isn't it? Or is that just me? Yeah. So being human, don't we measure ourselves against what's best and greatest in somebody else? Or we look at the triune Godhead and go, man, I'm no, I'm not that. And Romans 3.23, the glaring message that we all fall short. Yeah, we live in that. But every day, the word of God says the same thing. I've given you life and life abundant, and you're to live in me, and you're to do what I said you should do, would do, could do in me. You can do all things. And then we internally pummel ourselves for all the shortcomings, the errors, the sins, the faults, the mistakes. And we ignore the truth of what the word says, right? Isn't that a daily thing? We're seen as accepted, wholly accepted, beloved, unblemished, white as scarlet, chosen vessels of divine light. And this is a house that preaches that. There's a house that preaches it. I'm so so grateful for these guys preaching this message for 30 years. Because God knows the bride of Christ needs it. Everywhere we need it. Do you think your value could simply be found in being a flawed, jacked-up human being? Well, you're about to find out. We have a very limited perspective. The only thing he asks is be on a quest to know me. Be on a quest to know me. So we're going to look at what Scripture says is truth today. And when we know the truth, I, I know... And you know, we're able to submerge to a depth of measureless, boundless love of our Father. Where we will ascend and then be willing to give away what we've been given to other people. I I say this the world over. The Lord is looking for mothers and fathers in the spirit. But nobody wants to give away what they have because they don't think they're ever going to get enough. Yikes, if you know you live in this constant approval, you will give away everything. I called my friend Blaine Cook probably two years ago. We have fun. We run around together and do things, and and our team joins us. And he was just in uh, England with me and in Budapest for just two days. But I called him about maybe two years ago, and I I said, Blaine. And he calls me Jojo. He goes, what, Jojo? I said, I have come to the realization that nobody wants to give away the farm. And he goes, really? You're just now waking up to that fact? I go, shut up, Blaine. You've been in this ministry for 40 years. I've been in it for five. What do I know? He goes, so when did you learn that? I go, I've just traveled enough now where I've seen that the enemy intimidates people and causes them fear. And then they don't want to give away what they have. So they won't let the next generation come up. And then we strangle them. And then they grow up like we do. And then we still got the same thing going on in every church. He goes, well, what are you going to do about it? I go run around the world and raise everybody up and turn them loose and set the world on fire. He goes, good. Let's keep doing that. So that's what we do. You know, I, I want to tell you that if... 
We understand this is a house that teaches identity from the get-go. That's the foundation here. That's what we do. Identity and value in Christ equals greater intimacy with the Father in every way. And that equals your destiny. Period. So if we understand the beginning of the discovery of the value of the human being is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his uniquely conceived son as a what? A gift. A gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. And how about John 1, 12? But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given the authority to become who they really are. Who they really are, the sons of God. You have permission to become your true self. As jacked up as you are. Come on. You are fully restored to the Father through your simple faith in Christ and how complicated we make it. Complicated. So I discovered one morning with the Lord a couple of months ago when he told me my word of the day was intrinsic. And I'm like, I know that's not me because I don't even know what that word really means. Anyone in that camp? Okay. So for those of you in the same camp as me, duh, camp. You know, you can use that word here and there, but I don't know that I really understood like what God was talking about. Intrinsic means belonging to the essential nature or constitution of a thing. Okay, is that a little clearer? Okay, okay, here we go. We're going to get there for more of you. It's located within exclusively part of its natural and inherent So then I was like, well, I need an example of that, God, because I can't really get the fullness of this. And he said, when you give birth to your child, I gave birth to my son, Kian. Kian is a part of me. He, my love for him is intrinsic. He's part of me. So that's how God feels about this. So then the Holy Spirit says this to me. Do you know that your intrinsic value is me? I can tell this is getting deep really fast, God. This is how it is. He said, you're made in my image, and therefore you're priceless. I'm like, you know, I know that in here, but now I'm looking at my son belongs to me. He's part of me. My love for him is intrinsic. It's just inherent. I'm going to love him no matter what he does. So then I'm like, wow, you know, I know that here about God. But then he led me to John 17, verses 21 through 23. And it says this, that all of them may be one. Jesus is talking as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly united so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them just as you have loved me. He made you the glory. You feel like the glory? Not always. I've told this story so often around the world because it was such a an example of when the enemy comes in and tries to rob something. And I rarely focus on that, but I want to bring something to light. I was in some healing meetings in uh, Arizona about seven or eight months ago, and I was praying with the pastors, and they brought everybody who had stage four cancer in 
You know, everybody, the sickest people came into that, which was fantastic because the Lord healed two of the people of cancer. I mean, they're, they're clear doctor's reports. Come on, Jesus. Yay! Woo, woo, woo. And some lady had like seven diseases, but the Lord met her at a tea party. I mean, you know, only Jesus can do these kinds of things. When she was a little girl, she had an abandonment issue with her dad. And Jesus actually met her at seven years old at a tea party in this meeting we had. And her whole body was healed. And she sent an email to our ministry after, praise the Lord. She's totally healed. And then the last person had chronic back pain for 25 years, and she was completely healed. So I was in a moment of glory. Come on. I was like, God, you're amazing. And then uh, somebody knocked on the door in the middle of all this. So the person went out, and the next person was coming in, but they put, put that person on pause. And the associate pastor came to the door and knocked on the door and said to my friends, Bob and Carolyn, there's a squirrel in the sanctuary. Like a legit squirrel, real squirrel. And I'm thinking, does, is there nobody else to get the squirrel out of the sanctuary but Bob and Carolyn? The pastors have to do everything? I mean, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and the pastors are like, yes, because who else would? So apparently the associate pastor needed help with whatever he was trying to do, a basket, a broom. I don't really know what he was doing, but he said they had to come and help him. So I didn't offer because uh, I thought, well, that's probably a rabid squirrel carrying rabies. <laughs> I'm not going to help I'm the guest speaker. I'm not helping. Anyway, so I, I stayed in the room, and they left. And in the in the just the glory of the Lord was was just everywhere. And I was just I really I was in a funny mood, but I was in awe of God. And then all of a sudden, this weird thing passed across my my mind, and it was like a weird thought, which I know now was not me. It was the enemy, but in the moment, I grabbed it. You know, I'm just going to be real with you. And it was a smugness. Like I had something to do with all that. It just came on me. And I'm like, that is, it was like an arrogance thing. And I was like, oh, and immediately fell on my knees on the floor and said, oh my gosh, I burst into tears. And I said, I don't feel that way. God, I'm so sorry. And I'm sobbing thinking Bob and Carolyn are going to come back in the room and find me on my face on the carpet just snotty and I'm just wrecked, but I'm wrecked. Like I'm such a sinful, horrible human being. God, I don't ever want to touch your glory. You, you're, I don't have anything to do with this. And I'm just like having this horrible moment of guilt. And I, the Lord's come bursting in and speaks to me and said, Joanne. And I was like, now I'm going to be struck dead because I'm such a sinner. I mean, I just became Catholic. Like, all of a sudden, it was just horrible. And, and he said to me, you are my glory. I said, I don't want to touch your glory. I won't touch your glory. I won't. And he said, you are my glory. Oh, my gosh. Then I sobbed worse. It was just a sobbing mess. And then when I got up off the floor, I could hardly move, you know? And I, I, I just... He has said to me, I want you to tell that story everywhere because that is really real. That's what happens to us. You're in the middle of healing and all these miracles are breaking out. And all of a sudden you have this really weird thought come into your mind, some polluted garbage thing, and you buy it and you think, oh my gosh, and then you can't pray anymore. Because that's exactly what the enemy tries to do. And when God is going to come down and tell you that you are his glory. Come on, you better believe it because there's scripture after scripture after scripture. Do we go from glory to glory and strength to strength? You are glory. You are his glory. There's not a plan B or plan A. You're the reflection of Christ to the rest of the dying world. 
How do you think you're the reflection? Because you carry his spirit. Your value is not determined by what you do. It's determined by his perfection, his perfectness, his flawless identity. That is you. Come on. We're together with one spirit. His spirit is our full inheritance and his full authority and his full fiery power. But all that makes it come together is his amazing love. Oh, how he loves us. And he does that so we can love all the unlovable people. So we belong to the very essential nature and the constitution of God Almighty. Think about that. It's so amazing. It is so hard to fathom with our brains, our human brains. And you can't. I don't think I couldn't understand the intrinsic value of the human being till I understood more about the depth of the character of God. So let me just read you some things. and Maybe that will help a little bit. So as the God who was and is and is to come, he is forever perfect. He's forever glorious, eternally the same, unchanging in his glory. Therefore, the glory of God is intrinsic to himself. Can't be diminished, nor can it be increased. It's unaffected by outward forces or circumstances. We give God glory, but he has it all already. He just lets us participate. Are you getting this? We cannot add to his glory because his intrinsic glory is the sum total of the perfection of his divine nature and virtue. He is all glory. just blew me away when I'm reading that. I'm like, what in the world? In the Old Testament, the primary Hebrew word for glory is the word kabod, K-A-B-O-D. And it meant a really heavy, heavy weight. You ever been under the glory of God? What's that feel like? So the way that that word came about was rich men's possessions. When they were weighed, they would be very, very heavy. And the richer he was, the more his possessions would weigh. So with this wealth in this society came a degree of clout. Clout was heavy influence upon others in the community. So glory came to represent the greatness of a man which commanded the respect of others. So God's weight or glory is the greatness of who he is, the gravity of his great name, the infinite wealth of his divine attributes as are found in his holiness, his sovereignty, his wrath, his grace, his goodness, and on and on. Every aspect of God's character is immeasurably heavy, incomparably great, and beyond any human's character or ability. So being absolutely perfect, God is awesome in every way. So let's look at some of these divine attributes, and this will help you understanding that you are his glory. You are intrinsically valuable because he is in you. In his name, in Exodus 9.16, but indeed for this reason I've allowed you to remain in order to show you my power... And in order to proclaim my name, you're the name carriers. 
proclaim his name through all the earth. His majesty, Psalm 93, 1. The Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord's robed in majesty and armed in strength. And indeed, in his hands, the world is established firm and secure. No matter what it looks like, if your prophetic words haven't come to pass, if the Lord said it, and it is the Lord, they will. I am living now prophetic words that were uttered over me 25 years ago. I thought that woman was out of her mind. The story of her life is going to be the Holy Spirit. They're going to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. I was like, you're whacked. But the Spirit of God whacked me, and I went down on the ground 25 years ago, shaken, and they put some purple prayer thing over me. I was just barely saved. And I had never been in a prayer meeting like that. And I thought, I got to get out of here, but I couldn't get off the floor. It was nuts. So here I am 25 years later remembering, oh, the word of the Lord 25 years ago. So when people say to me, well, my, my prophetic stuff hasn't come true, I'm like, well, you know, if it really is God, it will come to pass because I believe your character has to be shaped for your calling. You know, I hate to think that God would give me a ministry like this 25 years ago. Yikes. I would have been scary. I'm scary now, but I would have been really scary then. Um, what God deems as perfect timing, we often think is a miss. We got to trust him. Amen. His power is another example of this intrinsic value that we have in Exodus 15 verses 1 and then verse 6 it says then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea and then in verse 6 it says your right hand O Lord glorious in power your right hand O Lord shatters the enemy how about the works of God Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. How about his holiness? Exodus 15.11, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. The weight of God's glory, it's described as great. It's described as eternal, most highly exalted. And this glory that we call his intrinsic glory inherently belongs to him because of his holy, unblemished character. That's you. Yeah, come on. The intrinsic value of human beings, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created so since God is not physical, to be made in God's image is to be given rationality, will, and Im an immaterial self and character traits that he possesses. So hu human beings, by virtue of being made in God's image, are therefore intrinsically valuable. 
All right. You all right? Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. No matter the circumstances of your conception and your birth, God oversees the birth of every human being on the planet. He created the process by which we all come into this world. He is sovereign. He knows us, has the plan for us. Our value is intrinsic, founded upon the plan and purposes of God on our life. We are assigned angels to our lives, but they are angels on assignment for destiny. So some of our angels are sitting around twiddling their thumbs, looking for something to do. I'm not kidding. Because we're not walking in our destiny because we don't believe we're valuable. So when you really know who you are, you'll start moving into your destiny. And those angels will be quite busy and very happy, I might add. It's really hard for us as human beings to believe the intrinsic value of every human being because of the horrors of this world. You know, we, we categorize sin, don't we? I can believe this person's valuable for that sin, but not for this one. When uh, Blaine said to me one time, we have to love the pedophile, I was like, well, then there's that, isn't there? I don't think I can do that, Blaine. He's like, well, you need to, Joe. You need to get over yourself. I, he says, they're only doing what was done to them. I go, yeah, but that's, that's deplorable. I can't do it. He goes, well, then you need to ask God to help you because you're missing it. And I was like, oh, why do you always have to speak truth to me right now? Why can't you tell me something else? <laughs> God puts people like that around you, doesn't he? I have a real good friend. Her name's Christina. We have to see people for who they are created to be, the destiny that's on their life and not the sin they're stuck in. Christina uh, has two master's degrees, and she could be, um, she's a sports psychologist, actually, is, is what she's trained to be. But she's been a history teacher in a public Chicago high school for the last 13 years. That's where she chooses to be, because she knows God's called her there. And this woman is so sold out for Jesus that she sees the intrinsic value on every one of those kids that walks down the hall. 4,000 students in a very, very impoverished area of Chicago. It's not an easy place to work. And Christina knows the Constitution of the United States because she teaches it. So she knows how far she can push the religious thing before she get fired. It's really awesome. She knows that she can't really pray for anybody in the school, so what does she do? She goes into the elevator, because the elevator of the school is the only place they don't have cameras. She gets in the elevator with a student, and she says, Holy Spirit, don't let anyone press the button, and no one does. Sometimes she's in the elevator with students for 15 minutes. So a couple years ago, she goes, hey, would you ever come to my school? She runs a Christian club after school, but as a faculty advisor, she's not allowed to really do anything. 
So she's raised up these amazing leaders who've all gone off to college, and they come back and run everything for her. She knows every loophole, every everything under the... It's just stunning to watch her in action. I'm like, this is crazy. I tell my sister, who's a public Boston high school teacher, she goes, that's not allowed. I go, oh, well, you teach English. She teaches history, so I'm pretty sure she knows. (laughs) I tell my sister all the time. Anyway, when they met each other, my sister had a lot of questions. It was pretty funny watching her. So Christina asked me if I would come and bring the team, um, and we did. We came, we came. We've been twice, and we went twice in a year. And uh, the first time that I came, uh, she had me come early before the kids got out of school, and the and the Christian club had their meeting and where I was speaking and, and doing this stuff. And uh, this girl was walking down the hall. Um, and I will call her Kylie, that's not her name, but she was uh, about this tall and just, she looked like a gangbanger. She, she was just wearing the roughest clothes. She was tatted up to her, on her neck. She had huge gauges. She uh, just looked, she looked high, I think she was. Um, she was just not somebody that you would go, yeah, there's an amazing value in that human being. Most people would go, yikes, run for the hills. Um, she was involved with a, she was 16. She was involved with a 24 year old woman who was a predator. Christina knows this stuff. This girl isn't even her student, but she has hugged her so many times going down the hallway because she knows she's motherless and fatherless. This girl is only in school because the law makes her go. She's failing every class and she is in drugs and alcohol and she's in this crazy relationship and Christina hugs her and hugs her. So when I was standing in the hallway, she goes, oh, good, here she comes. And I'm like, here comes who? So she goes, Kylie, let's go in the elevator. I'm going to hug her, and I'm going to introduce you. I'm like, great. I'm like, I'm all for anything, and the team hadn't gotten there yet. So she hugs her, and she goes, hey, Kylie, this is my friend Joe. She goes like this. I'm like, whew. And so we go into the elevator. And I have a word of knowledge about her back. And I'm like, well, you have really bad back pain, huh? And she looks at me. Mm-hmm. I go, well, well, we could get rid of that. But you will have to forgive your father. And she's like, that blobity blah, blah. You can imagine the words coming out of her mouth. I'm not doing that. You don't know him. You don't know. And it's like, wow. And so I, I just explained to her about forgiveness. I explained it was between her and God. And anyway, we, we had a good, nobody pressed the button. I don't know. School got out at that time. You'd think there was people pressing the button. Nobody pressed the button. Like the bell rang. Nobody pressed the button. It was like 25 minutes we were in the elevator. By the time we were done praying for this girl, she said, I can't feel my legs. Am I still on the ground? She ended up giving her life to Jesus. She broke up with this predator who then went to jail. And we're praying for that predator that God encounters her in jail. Because it's just the same. She forgave her father. Her back pain completely left. And that's when she couldn't feel her legs. This girl then decided Jesus was real. And she came to the Christian club. So now she's coming there. And she got a tattoo on her finger of the cross and she, so she can remain pure. And Christina and that team have helped walk her through 
all of the other things that have gone on in her life because they see as they walk with her every single day when they're discipling her, she's walking forward in freedom, learning her true value is actually Christ. Amen? So when we see people who are in populations where they're marginalized, they're rejected, they're abandoned. I was in Cambodia, and I didn't even know why I was really there because some of the things that I went there to do, I couldn't do. Um, and God did amazing things on the things that we could do. But then I, I, I told um, Brent and Suzanne today when we were eating, eating breakfast what happened to me. I was a little bit afraid. I was being driven to an airport in Cambodia by myself. Um, which I didn't tell my husband because he would be a little bit like, by yourself in the middle of the night. Uh, and so I didn't tell him that because I thought, you know, we, we don't need to make anyone else afraid. And, but I knew our team was praying for me and all of that. But I got into a taxi cab. And uh, I just was like, in the name of Jesus, get me to this airport and let me find someone who speaks English so I can get on my flight, which is now two hours late. It's not leaving till 3 in the morning. And so I get in this cab and the guy starts talking to me in broken English and he tells me uh, that he drives a cab at night and he drives a tuk-tuk, which is a motorcycle, and they pull these uh, little cab things behind him in the daytime so he can make enough money. And uh, the Holy Spirit just rolls into the taxi. And I'm like, I actually was a little bit afraid here. Okay, I wasn't thinking about my intrinsic value of who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. I was actually freaked out. I'm an American in the middle of the night in a town where I don't know anyone and, you know, the stuff that runs through your head. That's what I was doing. And here comes the Holy Spirit in the taxi. And I'm like, what are we doing, God? He goes, watch this. I go, well, okay, I'm not afraid anymore. Ah, the Holy Spirit's here. And uh, he says, just talk to the guy. Just have a conversation. So I'm, I'm talking to the guy. And I go, hey, are you in pain and he goes, yes. Um, so he was in the army. And for those of you who know anything about uh, Cambodia and Vietnam, the Khmer Rouge, the regime, was there 30 years occupying and torturing and maiming these people. He was in the army, and he was burned all on his legs and his arms. And they broke his ankles. So he had ankle pain. He had level seven. I asked him how, how high his pain was on his arms and his legs. And I asked him if I could pray for him. And he said, yes, like completely emphatically. I was like, well, that's good. So I reached over the seat, and I put my hand on his shoulder. And I just asked the Lord to come, and I asked. The Holy Spirit was already in the cab. I didn't really need to do much, and I just prayed for uh, the places he'd been burned. I prayed the trauma to be removed from him, and I asked him to... This was unbelievable. I asked him to forgive the Khmer Rouge for murdering his entire family. That took some explaining. So I explained a little bit. He forgave them all. Do you know the power of God rolled on that man so strongly that he yelled out, what is this cold I'm feeling down my arms? He, and he couldn't say goosebumps. He, I don't know. He didn't know English for that. But he held up his arm like this, and all the hair was standing straight up, and he had bumps all the way up over the burns. And he was going, do you see this bump stuff on my... That's how he said it. Bump stuff on my arm. And he goes, what is this? And I said, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I go, do you know who Jesus Christ is? No. Never heard the name. Never heard the name. 
And the Lord goes, are you going to tell him about me? I go, you betcha. That's what we're doing right now. So I tell the guy in the most simple way that I can. Now, Siem Reap is the largest Buddhist temple in all of Cambodia. People come from the tens of thousands each day to view this temple. It's absolutely nuts. The, the incense in the city, the, the, the demonic realm, it's just unbelievable. And here's a man, never heard of Jesus Christ, lives in an environment like this. So I tell him, he instantly gives his life to Jesus. It was the most unbelievable thing. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. He's so, un, he's undone. He's crying. I'm crying. I'm thinking, how in the world is this possible, God? And when I get out of the taxi, I give him a bunch of money because I'm just like, I, I, I'm overwhelmed by the need of a person to understand who Jesus is. And I live in a free country where I can choose and not choose. And this guy never a chance. And God sends me halfway across. I believe that that's the whole reason I went to Cambodia was that taxi driver because Jesus went to regions where it was one person he prayed for. I really believe that. This guy... When I get out of the taxi and I go to the door of the airport and I'm just tears running down my face. I just can't even hardly breathe. I'm so overwhelmed by God. And he, he yells out, Mrs. Joe, Mrs. Joe, he's standing by his taxi. I and mean, even right now it just makes me cry. And he's got both hands up. He goes, thank you. I'm like, for what? I mean, I, who are we? Do you know who you are? You're the carriers of glory. You're the carriers of hope. How many Americans have gotten into that taxi? Anyway, tons. He drives a taxi every night. He drives a motorcycle every day. The guy works and works and works, and nobody has told him about Jesus. What a privilege. Do you know that 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, Mankind is of incalculable worth to God because of the price paid for our redemption. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Tim, the taxi driver. I will never forget that man. I don't care how many millions of people I pray for. I won't ever forget him. Because it never occurred to me how many people on this planet do not know the name of Jesus. We have to understand who we are. So we can be welcoming opportunities like that. I was not prayed up. I wasn't fasting. I, had, I was in a weird mood. I was in fear. I was tired. Blah, blah. All the things that were wrong. And then the Holy Spirit comes rolling in and goes, want to do this with me? <laughs> the intrinsic value of the body of Christ. How about this one? It's easy to shoot holes in the church. We got to look at the value of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read this to you in the Passion Translation. Paul writes, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body... There's one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Listen, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and the father of all who is over all, through all and in all. But grace was given to one of us according to the measure of Christ's Christ's gift. The measure of the grace was given to each of us according to Christ, not according to us. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Some translations say that the men were given as a gift to God. I like that translation. So if you look at this this chapter, Ephesians 4 gives us an amazing glance into the intrinsic view of the body of Christ. So the Lord's writing through Paul the instruction that we are to diligently keep the oneness of the spirit. In verse 3, right? We just went over that. We are one body, one spirit, called in one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So hard to understand up here with the natural inclination. But look at Ephesians 4 4, where Paul writes of four distinct persons. This just it just wrecked me. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father. The body is human, while the Spirit, Lord, and God the Father are divine. This picture shows us distinctly that four persons are mentioned here and all actively intertwined, right? The Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, and the Father are intertwining themselves within the body. We're forming one unit. The entity of the body of Christ is the church, is the bride. The triune Godhead has intermeshed within us by the power of the spirit so that we are all together connected. So the father is embodied in the son. The son is realized as the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is infused in us. So when you look at this, you can't separate yourself and say, I'm not valuable or that person isn't valuable. We are all as believers in Christ, his value. When we see this clearly, it will put an end to competition and ambition for a name. You will want to promote other people. You will be happy for their promotion. You won't want to sit there and go, well, I don't know why they got that and I didn't. When we know our value and the value of the bride of Christ, we will know unity. And unity is what revival rides in on. There's never been a revival without unity. All right. The Father is the source. The entire view of the body of Christ over us, through us, and in us. Humanity and divinity. And in this sanctification process, we are being transformed and conformed to the image of Christ and glorified in him. And I believe that this sanctification process, and it is a process, is the whole unveiling, the way we realize ourselves. Do you know what I'm saying to you? The more clouded you are with lies and deception, the more in fear you are and bondage you are, the less you can believe that you are the glory of God. You can start to see, not because you're perfect, far from it, all of us, but you can start to see that we're his hope of glory. What other thing does he want to use? He decided to use us. How wild is that? All right. 
Let me tell you about one other story. Um, I was in a place called Bradford, England. And uh, I, don't, I don't, do you have a mercy house down here with girls that have been trafficked and stuff? Do you guys have that down here? So there's a mercy house up near us, but it doesn't run like this one in Bradford. Um, they had asked me to speak at mercy house, and I couldn't fit it in the schedule because the meetings were, there were too many meetings going on in, in other places. And uh, so we had a, a series of meetings at this church. And on the first two rows were all these young women, and they told me later that these were girls from the Mercy House. They'd actually brought them to the conference because I couldn't make it to the house. And um, as, as the Holy Spirit does, you know, he's kind of moving on people, and I noticed two girls in the second row sitting like this. Just giving me the look. And I thought, Wow. That's hostility coming from there. And the Lord said, just don't look over there then. I go, okay. (laughs) That's a word for some of you. Anyway, so I just didn't look over there. (laughs) So I didn't look over there. But but it grieved me, you know, at the same time. Uh, Not because I need to be liked by anybody. I'm over that. But um, I I really, I just wanted them to connect. I wanted them to, to get healed and... And so, anyway, um, I didn't know the story of any of the girls, um, but that night, I uh, went to bed, and I invite the Lord to wake me up when he wants to wake me up, and at 3.33, he woke me up. And I went, okay, I'm listening. And uh, he brought this girl, the blonde girl's face to my mind, and then he told me a bunch of stuff about her. I was like, well, okay, so I wrote it all down. And he said, before you start the meeting tomorrow, I want you to call her up. I go, Lord, she does not even like me. That's not going to go well. He goes, are you listening to me? I go, okay. (laughs) All right. I heard you. So I didn't even go back to sleep because I was too nervous because I was thinking, yikes, this girl, man, she just like could like pummel me. She's so mad. So apparently um, she went back to the house, the mercy house. This is what I find out way later. And she says to the director, I don't know who that woman is that you made me go sit and and listen to, but that's not of God. I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going back. I hated every minute of it. And the director said, too bad. You're going anyway. That's what we're doing. (laughs) And she tried to hug her, and the girl wouldn't have it and all that. Anyway, so then, and, and then, oh, the last thing the girl said was, you know, if God was real, then I would get a word. Because here's what happens. All the girls on the front row, for some reason, they all got words, right? It's like, call this one out, call that one out, this, this. And she never got a word. So it was the spirit of rejection talking. You know, it wasn't really her. Um, and so, because it's competition. It's just what I just finished saying. When you know who you are, you can be happy for the person who got the word, even though you didn't get the word. Amen. So anyway, she was not happy about that. Um, so she made it very, very plain that she wasn't. And so she said, it, it, you know, I would know is real, blah, 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 I got a word. And so I come, I come into the meeting, and uh, I look at all the girls, and I smile at them. And I make it a point to go up to this girl with the blonde hair, and, uh, and I go, hey, look, I'm Joe. You looked highly uncomfortable yesterday. And she's, like, giving me the look, you know. I go, can I just hug you? And she's like this. So I hug her anyway, because that's how I am. And, uh, and I go, bless you, bless you, sweetie. Uh, and the Lord, the Lord had even given me her name. That was what was really weird. Uh, so anyway, I'm just going to call her Claire. That wasn't her name because I don't like to use real, people's real names. But 
um, when I went up to the front, I said, you know, I'm going to do something a little different. Um, Claire, will you come up here? Oh, my gosh. Her face is like, Ooh! And she looks like she's going to pass out. And so I look at the co-director who's there, and I go, and she goes, I don't know anything by this point, right? Nobody's told me what happened in the house the night before. So I call her up, and I just tell her everything the Lord told me, which was her life. And, uh, man, she's never felt the power of the Holy Spirit. She has been a Christian, and then she, you know, backslid and went out in the streets and was doing all kinds of stuff. So this, this idea that she was valuable in any way was the farthest thing from her mind because she was just controlled by self-loathing. And as I told her her life story, but I told her her destiny, this girl was blasted by God. I mean, I've seen God do that, but I've not seen God do that to somebody who was that hostile the day before. And he just came down on her, and she slid out onto the floor, and she stayed there for a good hour. And when she came back, I stopped the meeting again that I was doing, and I went back over to her, and I go, how you doing? She goes, you know, she's just shaking and shaking. And I mean, she was completely and totally changed, transformed by the love of the Father in a moment. Amen. Thank you, God. The intrinsic value of a girl like that, who had been on the streets, who absolutely hated herself, who judged everyone else because she was judging herself so severely. Don't be so sure that the people who are judging you aren't just so filled with self-loathing, because usually they are. They can't stand themselves, so they're going to tear everybody else down too. And that was what she did. This girl, the, the prophetic words over this girl's destiny were so clear. She had such a gift of prophecy. It was incredible. And she was called to preach. She goes back to the house that night, and she goes through the rooms of the house to all the girls, and she's preaching, and she's prophesying, and she's giving hope, and she's putting hand. I mean, I'm telling you, the craziest, craziest thing, because the next day I'm preaching in a church, which these pastors hosted these meetings, and the co-director of the Mercy House shows up at the church. And she goes, can I testify? I'm just going to testify. I'm like, get up there. And so this is where I find it all out. I don't know anything, right? She gets up there and she tells the whole story about Claire, about how Claire went to the meeting, hated my guts, hated God, didn't want anything to do with this, blah, blah, blah. And then how she said, if I was called out and how God had woken me up at 333 because of the value of this girl. And then after all the ministry that happened to her, that she came back to the house and she was the one who wouldn't go to bed and was preaching and was teaching and was helping them and had her Bible open was going, well, did you know the word says this? Did you know the word says that? I'm telling you, I don't know who said that one minute in the presence of God can take somebody from the pit to the palace, you know, like that. That's what happened to that girl. It was stunning. And then they, they were all allowed to Facebook friend me. It was amazing. And they were allowed to send me messages because I, they're not allowed to email, but they did watch, you know, they made a thread for them. So uh, then they all wrote me letters. They mailed physical letters to me from England to, to tell me what it was like for our team to minister to them and, and how transforming it was. We all had necklaces and bracelets on that said different things like brave and courage because we wear stuff like that. And we just put it on their necks, put it on their arms, put it on the, anything to remind them that they're not what the world says they are, 
that they're valuable, that they're God's kids. I would, I would say to you that the, the least likely person that you see around you is probably the person that God's calling you to minister to. The one that sits in your office and complains all day long. The one everyone tries to avoid. The one in the church that always has a high need. I've learned so much traveling the world about the value of people. And I've learned that when I am least, I think, feeling holy, how about that, is when God rolls in, just like he did with Tim, the taxi driver. He does it to me all the time. He'll do it to you. He does it to me in airports. He does it to me everywhere I go. And it's always an invitation. Um, there's no guilt and there's, there's no shame. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But when you do it, it changes everything. It changes you. You're the one. You're the one that gets blessed. When we were in um, Chelmsford, England, I'm going to tell you this last story, and then I'm going to invite the team up. Um, in this part in Essex, uh, England, they, they have a lot of churches, but they don't have a lot of Holy Spirit. Um, they've got a lot of religion, but not a lot of freedom. And uh, one of our uh, Agape team members lives in that area. And she lives in a place called Bado, B-A-D-D-O-W, and it means bad water. And I go, well, the living water's coming, so you don't need to worry about that. And we did a, uh, an exercise prophetically with all these people who really didn't know the Holy Spirit. And uh, I didn't say anything about living water to them. I mean, they know their town means bad water. But I asked what the Spirit was saying, what the Holy Spirit was saying to the collective whole of the group. Because don't you know, when we work together as a whole, God gives similar impressions to all of us when he's trying to give a corporate message. So that's what happened. These people never rolled with the Holy Spirit, and they all got the same type of word about how God was going to run a pipe supernaturally through the center of town. It was going to bring fresh water. It was the coolest thing ever. And these people then got so hungry for the move of God. My friends were pastoring a church. Raj, uh, who's on our team, and her husband were pastoring this church there. But I said to them, well, you're, to her husband, you're a teacher, and, and Raj, you're a street power evangelist. What are you doing running a church? Um, and the power of God hit them so hard. They were so tired with the administration of a church because neither have an administrative gift. And they were just trying to be administrative all the time, and they lost their zeal for being children of God. And they had never really been told by God to start a church. They just thought they should do that. I'll put that out to you and say, what are you shoulding, and what does God say? You know, people go, well, you need to pray for me. Really? I don't, actually. I'm not everybody is my assignment. I mean, if God says for me to do that, I'm going to do it 100%. But when somebody comes up and goes, I know you have a word for me, I go, actually, I don't. Sometimes I say that, and then the Lord gives me one because he's funny. But I'm not on demand, you know? I'm his, you're his, and I want to know what my assignment is so I can step into that. 
So when I said to Raj and Andy, I go, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm just going to say what the Lord says. And I said, and they were just undone. They were down on the ground frying for like two hours. When they came out of it, they go, we're going to shut the church down. I go, ooh, I hope that was God, you know. (laughs) I'm just teasing. It's God. It's like their fourth word, fifth word or something they had about it. Anyway, they shut the church down, but they moved the church into their house in a home group. And now they're going out to the streets. They're ministering to all the prostitutes and the drug addicts and all that. They are so happy. And Andy went back to school. He's getting a doctorate. He's thrilled. Woo! Because now he'll have license to speak into the Anglican community, which is where he needed to be used by God. So they had all this series of meetings. And, I, and like I said to you, you might go to a place and it's one person you're praying for. I don't know why God does that. But I know when Jesus met the woman at the well, we don't see that he healed 10,000 people there. He met the woman at the well. All through scripture, he's, he's you know, the pool of, of, of Bethesda. He climbs over everybody and gets the one guy. I, I don't know. But I know that when we went to Chelmsford, there was such an electricity on those meetings. The Holy Spirit was really, really moving. But when Blaine and I were standing there, we were both going to teach and do all this stuff. And we did eventually. But there was a couple that walked in and sat down. And we both went, hmm, look at those two. I mean, it was just crazy. We were like, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I go, you or me? You know, who's going to call him out? He goes, you go ahead. And I go, hey, hey, you, man in the red shirt, lady in the white top, come here. And they were like, us? So they come to the front. We don't even get to say anything because the Holy Spirit just goes, whoosh, on them, and they're down on the ground. They tried to come to every single meeting we had, and every single meeting it was like that. And we find out from Raj and Andy, these people have never had this happen to them. In fact, the guy was so stoic in his religion, never met the Holy Spirit. And this is how God decides to engage these people. <laughs> they, they were so hammered, they never heard one thing. They were just out. And every time they'd come and try to sit and be proper, the Holy Spirit would knock them down on the ground again. The last, the last day of these conferences, the wife was up flagging and spinning and doing all this stuff. We're like, look at her. Freedom. Anyway, he could not get off the floor. And every time he did, he would try to sit up and he'd go. And we laughed and laughed. Here's the point. What those people are destined to do is lead families and teach children. That was the destiny on them. And they just happened to wander in with some weirdo Americans who were having a a meeting who saw the intrinsic value of that couple and what was really the destiny on their lives. They're messing messing around with religion. What, what, What? And here is their destiny. Well, I got a message from Raj who, she came to Budapest with us and she said, that couple's on fire. They have started a home group with a bunch of families already. It's only been five days. I think it took that long for that guy to thaw out, but you know. When the Spirit of God encounters a son and a daughter, they begin to believe that they are who he says they are. And we, as a body of believers, are to come alongside each other and to disciple people so that they can continue to believe who the Lord says they are. So I want to tell you that there is such a value on your life. You can't prove your value. You can't work into your value. You can't make God love you more. And you hear that. If you go to this church, you know that. But I'm telling you, take a look at what I just taught you. 
at the value of who God is in all his glory. And that is the weight that's on your life. I am not more qualified than anybody. Ask these guys. They run with me. They know how whacked I am. I am just like you. I just got healed and set free of 15 years of hell. And when I came out of that, I was like, no more, God. Every person I meet that you tell me to pray for, I'm going to pray for. Because I am so sick that I wasted 15 years of being lied to because nobody told me the truth. So I go all over the world to tell people the truth. And maybe that's some of you that need to do that. But most of you are not going to go around the world. You don't have to go around the world to watch the glory of God. (laughs) Work through you. Start with your family. Start in your office. Start where you shop, where you get your hair cut, where you get your gasoline. There are people everywhere dying in this world. And you are carrying the atmosphere of God. Amen? So why don't you stand up? Team, why don't you come up? Can you run that back in the bag real quick? Thanks, sweetie. Oh, amen, Jesus. So good. Now, if the worship team is in the receiving mode, I'm all about that. And we can just put on some background music because I'm all about the worship team receiving. If the worship team wants to play, they can do that too. But don't feel like that's not your value. Hello. I think the worship team should just receive, personally. <laughs> Here she is. She's all, yeah, me too. So if, uh, and, and I would love it if our, if our engineering department back there would come and receive too. But if we can put some instrumental music on. So if you'll just, um, I'm just trying to figure this out. Hang on one second. I'm, I'm looking at what the Lord's. Oh, Jesus. Wow, 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 wow. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Yeah. Okay. I, I, um, yeah. Okay. Close your eyes. Thanks, God. So, Lord, we just love your presence. And I'm just going to ask you to put your hands out for this reason because it gives us something to hold on to. Uh, it's not that God can't touch you when your hands aren't out. It's just such a mystifying thing. <laughs> I can only pray in this posture. Um, it just helps us be able to hold on to something. So, so come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, come, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Let your glory fall, God. Let your glory fall, God. Come, Lord. Come and touch your kids, God. Shift, shift, shift the thinking, Lord. We invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. The Lord is looking for mothers and fathers for this generation. When you feel the call of the Lord on you for this next generation, I want you to make your way forward because the Lord is going to release a commissioning of boldness. I need a couple people to catch because... I don't want people to fall under the power of God when there's nobody to catch them. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let the glory of God come. Hey, I want you to make your way up here. Go ahead, team. Put your hands on them. Make your way up. Make your way up. We get a couple people to catch.